Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Listener discretion advised. The following is satire, ferociously disrespectful satire. Satire that aims to be seriously funny about serious institutions and issues. Satire which may be offensive to certain serious and seriously sensitive people. This will usually be because a satirist is being confused with her target. We hope serious and seriously sensitive people will be entertained by our satire, but if not, we really don't give a fly. Ha! Just kidding. We're going to have a ton of harmless fun at the expense of the silly old Supreme Court. Enjoy. Hello, I'm Tony Hendra, founder of The Final Edition. Welcome to our series, Men in Black, Disrobing the Supreme Court. Episode number one, The Early Years, or Odor in the Court. Just think, other countries have high courts or superior courts, but ours is supreme, as in supreme being or Nacho's supreme. Really? Is this a good idea? How in a democracy could nine rich, white, educated guys and old guys given lifetime tenure have the power to decide what everything in the Constitution and all that they say flows from the Constitution means? Was this the original intent of the Founding Fathers? Well, probably. Here's an actual quote from Founding Father John Jay, the very first Chief Justice. A country should be governed by those who own it. Pretty much the political philosophy of Charles and David Koch. Or how about this actual quote from one of the longest sitting Chief Justices, Roger Taney, in the case of an unfortunate slave named Dred Scott. The authors of the Constitution viewed all blacks as beings of an inferior order, altogether unfit to associate with the white race, with no rights which the white man was bound to respect. Pretty much the political philosophy of a few police departments we could name. It seems it was the Founding Fathers' original intent that the court protect a rich, white, conservative, but not racist because conservatives can't possibly be racists, ruling class. And right from the start, there were astute minds pointing out the financial opportunities of this arrangement. A hearty good day to all on this 25th day of September in the year of our Lord in these newly united states, 1789. The right dishonorable James Kramer Esquire at your service with the madness of money. First, this day's topmost news. Charge your tankards, all ye fine fellows who sail in the good ship Commerce. Yesterday saw passage of the Judiciary Act and the creation of our new Supreme Court with power to review every law to be found within our spanking new Constitution. The witch constitution, as ye know from the madness of money, 
is a godsend to merchants, bankers, planters, usurers, Freemasons, slaveholders, and all others dedicated to profit, property, and the pursuit of wealthiness. For it guarantees that in the matter of taxes, tariffs, debts, and commerce, our government, led by our court, shall be supreme. While in the matters of so-called rights, democracy, and all other radical poppycock espoused by the likes of Mad Tom Jefferson, it shall have, like our beloved president, no teeth. Booyah! Even better tidings. Yesterday also, Mr. George Washington appointed as our first chief justice, Mr. John Jay. He who is buttock buddies with our many-tentacled young secretary of the treasury, Alexander Banks are my bitches, Hamilton. Yay, good speculators and usurers. Money loves Mr. Hamilton. Booyah! What of our soon-to-be-all-powerful court's future? Here with how the Johnny Cake crumbleth, our Supreme Court will uphold the power of Congress to regulate commerce twixt the states thus making it far simpler for commerce to regulate Congress. Look for the court to grant the government a national bank, the which thereafter will sell bonds in itself. When it does, run to buy them. Don't walk, investors all. These bonds will fly as high as Messrs. Montgolfier's fiendish fire balloon. Oh, the humanity. What else boils hot upon the hob this dewy morn? Land. Bye, bye, bye. In which our new chief justice is wealthy beyond measure. Look to the immense territories of the states being placed by the court at the disposal of the central government. For the Nimla profiteer, there are fortunes to be made by stripping that virgin land of its maidenhood and liquidating the lumber that sprouts thereon. Yea, verily, your money is in good hands with real estate. <laughs> One last tasty tip as hot as Mad Tom Jefferson's fevered brain. The Navy. Bye, bye, bye. Smiled upon by Jay and Hamilton, its formation proceeds apace. I, me, the right dishonorable James Kramer Esquire, spy formidable government gravy in shipbuilding, tar, timber, hardtack, salt pork, sailcloth, cannon, slaves. And whip leather. The bad news? There is none! We take you now to Federal Hall, New York City, in the year 1789. So that's our First Amendment to the Constitution, allowing homophobic extremists to harass people at military funerals. What's next? The Second Amendment, the right of any person at any time to own any weapon whatsoever. Mm. Uh, Mr. Speaker, we just had a revolution precisely so that someday anyone who walks into a college or movie theater or mall food court or Amish schoolhouse or even a kindergarten could possess the most state-of-the-art military hardware and quickly kill innocent strangers in truly massive numbers. Well, obviously, we all want to make that possible. But what about convicted felons buying guns? 
The law may require background checks, but demented psychopaths can still buy whatever they want at a gun show. That is the original intent of we, the Founding Fathers. Oh, yes, oh, yes, yes, absolutely. yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. Certainly, certainly. Absolutely. Mr. Speaker, I do raise a concern. This amendment may expose the true intent of our new nation. You mean to design a government specifically for the killing of children? You'd be surprised how many people are not altogether on board with that. So if we want to make sure demented imbeciles can always get a hold of fast and portable firearms, and obviously that's why we're all here. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> certainly, certainly is. Then we need sacrifice other proposed amendments just for appearance's sake. Mm. But we already rewrote the Declaration of Independence, so it didn't say life, liberty, and the seared flesh of boys. Even so, look at our proposed 11th Amendment, and I quote, If there be habits that will make the environment unlivable for future generations, Congress shall stand by with their thumb up their posterior and pretend everything is copacetic. Unquote. Maybe we should drop that one. Or how about the 12th Amendment? And I quote, uh, Children whose parents go away to jail on drug charges should consider selling their bodies to privateers. Unquote. Mm, yes, yeah. Well, we'll sacrifice those two for now so we can get away with the gun thing. But how will people otherwise know those were our original intent? I believe over time, intelligent people shall divine and share in the Founding Fathers' violent hatred of children. Let's just move on to the Fourth Amendment. The right against unreasonable search and seizure. Everyone knows that's supposed to be sarcastic, right? Torn from a world of tyrants beneath this western sky, we formed a new dominion, a land of liberty. The world shall own we're masters here, then hasten on the day. Huzzah, 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 huzzah for free America. Marbury v. Madison remains one of the landmark decisions of the Supreme Court. The underlying facts of the case are convoluted and, quite frankly, extremely boring. The result, however, was profound. The court established the principle of judicial review, or as we non-lawyer idiots call it, unlimited and unchecked control. We take you now to the year 1803 and the chambers of the Supreme Court, as Chief Justice John Marshall and crew work together to establish this monumental decision. Okay, so basically, William Marbury has not received his commission, blah, 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 justice of the peace, yada, 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 Judiciary Act of 1789, etc., etc. Look, can we simplify this? Well, Marbury's (laughs) demanding that we order the Secretary of State to issue his commission to serve office in D.C. He was appointed, and the Secretary is supposed to do this. Boom. Love it. Ordering people around. Done. But... He's asking us to do it because of the Judiciary Act of 1789. Ooh, good note. Don't love that act. Why not, John Marshall? Doesn't it give us more power? Well, William Patterson, what we can do is already outlined in the Constitution, right? That's true, John Marshall, in Article 3. But if Congress can just pass any old act to change what we can do, well, 
They gave us power this time, but next time they might take it away. Whoa, you just blew my mind. Hey, Samuel Chase, you've been pretty quiet. What's your take on all this? Look, I don't want to make any decision until I hear what Bushrod Washington thinks. Bushrod Washington? Now, I know I'm only the justice with the silliest sounding name, but it seems to me that what we're actually being asked to rule on is who gets final say on what is and isn't constitutional. Well, no, that's not what we're being asked, but yeah, fuck it, let's do that instead. Sounds way more fun than this snooze fest. Uh, who gets final say in the law? Well, look, uh, this is gonna sound tacky, but it should be us, right? 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 I I didn't want to say it, but we definitely are the most qualified. Of course we are. Any idiot can get elected to Congress. And the president? You only have to be 35 and American and alive. Oh, man, you're right. Why, that simpleton Donovan Trump who cleans our chamber pots can become president. Or any of his probably stupider descendants. Gentlemen, you've convinced me. Bushrod Washington. Bushrod Washington. For the sake of America, I think we have to give ourselves unlimited control over the country and the Constitution for its own good. Look, no one wants to be the one to say I should have all the power, but come on. We're not saying make us your supreme rulers. We're saying if you have to have a supreme ruler, who's more qualified than us? Seems like we're all in agreement here. What about you, Samuel Chase? What? Oh. Uh, I'm just going to vote however Bushrod Washington does. Bushrod Washington! Good enough for me. I cannot wait to lord over the American people with our superior intellect and jurisprudence. Guys, I have so many hot takes on slavery. Wonderful. So I guess all that's left is to finalize the ruling the way all Supreme Court decisions are finalized. With a big Broadway musical number. Because power is power is power is power. How does a ragtag group of unelected rich men get to decide the fate of a nation's government? We're chosen by one man, confirmed by a hundred other. They're also rich white men. Heck, we're practically brothers. Think of all the fuck things that we can now do, mostly for each other. And maybe some for you, ordered and sworn, delivered and born. Our wordy long opinions will get this country torn. Asunder and under cover of law, we'll plunder your wonder how you never saw. And in case you forget how we got the power to screw ya, Marbury v. Madison is just a big fuck you bra. If you don't like it, Go pass an amendment, impeach us and imperil this fragile brand of government. Now we the supreme law of the land. Our opinions are more sacred than those of living men. Maybe you think you're a protected class, but you ain't shit to us unless you got that cash. Elected heads will change, but with tenure we're the same. And the world's gonna know our name. What's our name, man? United States Supreme Court. We are United States Supreme Court. It's the early 19th century, and like most of us, the Supreme Court is starting small. 
Before deciding the big cases on the main stage in Washington, D.C., the court first has to work the road. Welcome to the Western Virginia International Minstrel Competition and Wet T-Shirt Contest. Give yourselves a big round of applause just for surviving the winter. Tonight we have a really special group of people for our panel of judges. It's the United States Supreme Court. Chief Justice John Marshall, welcome to the Vomiting Crow Tavern and Sports Bar. What are you doing out here in the boonies, anyway? Well, the government of the Union, though limited in its power, is supreme within... I'm sure you have your reasons. All right, coming up first, Charles Matthews sings... Possum up a gum tree. Possum up a gum tree, up he go. Rockin' in the hollow down below. Now at T-shirt contest. Hit him with the water. All right, the court's deliberating. And here comes Chief Justice John Marshall with the verdict. In the case now to be determined, the plaintiff... A lumpy entertainer of no fixed address Uh tried to fulfill a contract to entertain and titillate an audience of groggy undesirables on a Friday night 10 p.m. show. Right. To be considered is how whimsical may be his mimicry of an enslaved African national. Right. And furthermore, the aesthetic merit of the plaintiff's porcine figure articulated by a dampened, short-sleeved, Tunic. Sure. In this, the court finds as follows. Hit him with the water! This is sad. My life is sad. Those were lean times, to be sure, as the court judged everything from knife-throwing contests... The absence of a finger necessitates a change of venue to a court specifically assigned to nine-fingered citizens. To cutest baby. In the case of Baby Thaddeus v. Baby Simon, the Declaration, if not the Constitution, stipulates all babies are created equal. Therefore, the court must nullify any previous decision. Oh, no. Must nullify no. any previous decision no. on baby cuteness rendered by the lower no. court. Oh, no. come on. They look the same, people. And lumberjack contests. In the case of Jacques Vionry, Jacques wins because. Well, his tree fell down first. I don't know why you need us here. Until finally, the court found a permanent home at number one First Street Northeast in Washington, D.C. It was a more stable, respected venue. But some people say the court's decisions were never as good or as edgy after that. Gentlemen, we hear today from Dred Scott, the slave of an army doctor who took him to free states and territories. Scott has sued in Missouri for freedom from a Mr. Sanford, brother-in-law of said doctor, now deceased, who refuses to comply. Our decision in this matter may be of great significance. I abjure my learned colleagues to comport yourselves with the utmost respect for the laws of our land and for the humanity, decency, and rights of Mr. Scott. Oye, oye, 
The Supreme Court of these United States is now here gathered. Chief Justice Roger B. Taney presiding. All rise for the Chief Justice. Here comes the judge. He is the judge. Everybody know he is the judge. All you bucks gotta listen to me. Cause I'm the judge, as you can plainly see. Don't want no tears, don't want no lies. Above all, don't want no alibi. Plaintiff may now address the court. Esteemed justices, my name is Dred Scott. I come before you today to plead for my freedom. Although born a slave, I have long resided in the free state of Illinois and the Wisconsin Territory, as has my wife Harriet. Whoa there, Dred. Is you one of those jumped-up blacks that aim to rise above your station? With apologies, Your Honor, I do not comprehend your line of questioning. My name is Dred Scott who humbly petitions freedom for his family and himself under the terms of the Missouri Compromise of 1820 and enshrined by 38 years of legal precedent. Keep up this highfalutin hogwash, I's a-goin' to hold you in contempt! Roger. What is it, Curtis? I wonder if speaking to him in his own lingo is perhaps muddying the issue? With respect, how would a bleeding heart bean-eater from Boston know how to talk to a black? He hath no mind in the customary sense. He is more to be likened to livestock. I smell a powerful descent, Chief Justice. And I, Justice Curtis, smell a powerful scent. The wind of abolitionism breaking from your posterior, sir. You will inherit that wind, sir. Yes! Yes! Order! 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 Order in the court! I am the judge! Now you listen here, Dredd. You stand here in this assembly in your tatty old boots, but you isn't got no standing. (laughs) With respect, Your Honor, I have standing as a citizen of the great state of Missouri. Our founding fathers held this truth self-evident. No black inhabitant of Africa or his descendant can ever be a citizen of this here land. Uh-oh, here comes the judge. Everybody know he is the judge. So here is the judgment of this here judge. judge. The authors of the Constitution viewed all blacks as beings of an inferior order, altogether unfit to associate with the white race, with no rights which the white man has bound to respect. Case dismissed. <laughs> There goes the judge. He is the judge. Everybody know he is the judge. Gentlemen, we have today, in a peaceable and judicially equitable manner, put the matter of slavery once and for all beyond the reach of mere politics, and thus avoided the grim prospect of a war between the states, all thanks to the wisdom and supreme authority of this court. And now, lesser-known cases of the Supreme Court. 1831. Davy Crockett v. Tennessee SPCA. The animal rights group failed to convince the court that the Second Amendment gave them the right to arm bears. 1872. Pennsylvania v. Mutterberg. The court strikes down a Pennsylvania law that would have permitted the state to neuter the Amish. 1906. 
Armour and Company versus Food and Drug Administration, where Armour Meats sued to establish the acceptable level of human hand that could be put into the meat. The court's ruling of 60% hand held until 2007. We take you back to 1896 when Plessy versus Ferguson upheld separate but equal racial segregation in a case where a man who was one-eighth black could not ride in a white train car. The final edition asked the man on the street back then, what do you think? I don't know what an octoroon is, but it sounds delicious. I once knew a boy who was a septeptaroon. He was one-seventeenth black, which is not how math works. But God damned if I was going to sit next to him on a train. Personally, I think the most interesting thing about Plessy was the fact that he was eight raccoons in a bag. Why is it V and not a VS? I like versus versus V. Let's hear that case. In the case of V, V versus. I think we're missing the real issue in Plessy v. Ferguson. When are we going to start creating better names? Can women still not vote? Okay, okay. Shut up! Get out of here! How are you doing? Get, Get away from the microphone! How do you not know? I mean, like, separate but equal, but like, we, we, we should have the better one, right? Oliver Wendell Holmes is one of America's most celebrated jurists. In a famous decision, he said that the First Amendment does not allow one to shout fire in a crowded theater. There were, however, exceptions. When Oliver Wendell Holmes is in the theater. When you want to cause a stampede, killing hundreds of innocent people. When you want to understand the rationale behind the prohibition of doing so. Many jurists have served our nation with distinction. But what about those who flamed out in the confirmation process and never completed the journey from presidential nominee to naked beneath the robes justice? We have uncovered lost audio of the failed confirmation hearings of several SCOTUS nominees from the turn of the 20th century. You will hear echoes of our modern process in their once classified recordings. In 1907, Teddy Roosevelt sought to counter the court's striking down of progressive labor laws by nominating Albert Woodsman, who established the tradition of evading questions from the Judiciary Committee. Turning to the landmark 1895 decision of Inree Debs and the 1905 Lochner v. New York ruling, these cases essentially established that the government may, on the one hand, force striking laborers to return to work, and on the other, may not establish any protections for them from unsafe working conditions. Considering the issues of stare decisis and precedent, is this now settled law? I feel the need to stay away from the particulars of cases. I'm happy to discuss the principles of stare decisis. <clears throat> but you're a judge. Surely you must have an opinion on, on workers' rights, uh, capital versus labor, uh, humanity versus cruelty. I feel the need to stay away from the particulars of cases. I'm happy to discuss the principles of stare decisis. Millions of our citizens work under life-threatening conditions for the benefit of a far-removed capital class with no stake whatsoever in the well-being of the labor class. And yet this court 
has prevented even the most basic consideration of their well-being. Almost as if it were bought and controlled by that very capital class. What say you to that accusation? I feel the need to stay away from the particulars of cases. I'm happy to discuss the principles of stare decisis. What if I were to punch you in the dick? Would you have an opinion on that? I feel the need to stay away from the particulars of cases. Woodsman later withdrew himself from consideration after being repeatedly punched in the dick. Tell us what you think about the comments in Santa Clara County v. Southern Pacific Railroad, which some say granted corporations rights just like people. I do not believe that will ever become an issue in any way whatsoever in the future at all. Ever. So, are corporations people? I don't believe so. Yes or no, Judge? Are corporations people? I prefer not to say. Yes or no? Is this some sort of litmus test? Litmus test? What is that? Are you a battery? What? No! Litmus test! It's a phrase for a single issue that renders judgment about overall acceptability, like gun control or abortion. Gun con what? Abortion? What? I'm sorry, sir, but your answer forces me to ask. Are you now, or have you ever been, a battery? No, that's nonsense. Have you ever attended any meetings of the American Battery Party? No! Do you associate with known batteries? What does that even mean? Do not question the integrity of these hearings. The nominee later withdrew after admitting he was a battery. In 1912, William Howard Taft nominated a little-known academic, Professor Isaac West Woodington, to the High Court. The very existence of his confirmation hearing was denied until this recording. Regarding Plessy v. Ferguson, affirming the notion of separate but equal for the blackies and us regular folk, it's really no big deal, right? Right? I mean, you do want this position on the court, am I right? Right? Well, Your Honor, it is my humble opinion that the doctrine of separate but equal is untenable. <gasps> it is inhumane. <gasps> Unfair. And demeans the citizenship of our black friends and neighbors. They're not equal. <gasps> they don't live near me. What does friend mean? Furthermore, it is my learned opinion that in due course, a black man, a, a black lawyer even, will argue before the highest court that there can be no such thing as separate and equal, as the very act of separation changes the nature of any services or activities, uh, thereby rendering them inherently unequal. This black lawyer will not only have segregation struck down, he will usher in a movement for civil rights for, for all people until he himself was appointed a justice of our very Supreme Court of these United States. <laughs> Judge Wes Woodington, you cannot be serious, are you? <clears throat> nah, I'm just kidding. Uh, blackies are worse than women. If you confirm me, I will overturn the Civil War. Huzzah! Huzzah! His confirmation failed when he was shot by his black mistress. <laughs> Finally, in 
Finally, in 1920, Walter Woodward Jameson had the shortest confirmation hearing on record. What do you think about the 18th Amendment, ratified on January 16, 1919, prohibiting the manufacture, transportation, and sale of intoxicating liquors? You don't know me. I swear this was never... Hey, Senator Johnson. Yeah, that's a guy right here. This is the guy I'm talking about. That was the watering hole and... What? Yes, I'm drunk right now. Not only that, guess what, America? I'm a battery. That's it for episode one of Men in Black, Disrobing the Supreme Court. Stay tuned for episode two, Modern Times or Decisions, Decisions, when we learn who is more powerful, justice or the justices. Men in Black, Disrobing the Supreme Court was performed by Gil Barron, Andy Danish, Jen Dodd, Jim Earl, Bridget Fitzgerald, Rob Gordon, Samantha Gerwitz, John Gutierrez, Tony Hendra, Jeff Hendrick, Kevin Janus, Jeff Chrysler, Ben Kirshner, Barry Lank, Heidi Lux, John Marshall, Kayla Merrill, Rob Miller, James Mount, Jessica Park, Ebby Parker, Amber Petty, Rachel Rock, Jeremy Rayburn, and Keith Sultanes. It was written by Gil Barron, Bruce Cherry, Jim Earl, Bridget Fitzgerald, Tony Hendra, John Gutierrez, Jeff Chrysler, Ben Kirchner, Barry Lank, Amber Petty, Jeremy Rayburn, and Keith Sultanes. These shows were edited and engineered by Barry Lank and Gregory Russ. Produced by Tony Hendra, Jeff Chrysler, and Barry Lank. Men in Black, Disrobing the Supreme Court is a co-production of Midroll Media and the Final Edition, LLC. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.